Hello, I'm right there. Hi. Hi, cat. You're not cat. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just called you cat, but you're not cat. I am. <laughs> Hi, Crystal. <laughs> Hi, cat. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm not better when we do this earlier, but anyways. Well, uh, we we kind of threw everything off. We're recording on a different day at a different time. I know, different time. Everything's off. Oh, man. That's right. I didn't even realize that. It's also a weird day. Yeah, it is a weird day. And it's birthday to Mayo. That's, that's, it is birthday to Mayo for you, isn't it? Oh, that's funny that it. That's what one of my friends calls it every year. uh, Oh, that's, that's really good. I like that. (laughs) It is birthday to Mayo. Yes, you will no longer be a little 20 year old baby. You will be a 30 year old baby. (laughs) All I can, you know what I need to do? I need to watch that Uh, episode of Friends where they all turn 30. Oh, you know what? I don't even remember that. Is there an episode where they all turn 30? Oh my gosh. And I religiously watched Friends when I was younger and I don't even remember that. Well, you might remember because the one thing I remember is Joey for like everybody's birthday. He's like, why God, why, why you gotta do this? Oh, I think, I think I remember that. I think that's all coming back to me now. Yes. (laughs) Oh man! Oh, friends, that's so such a good show. That's timeless. For everyone except for um, this is coming out after my birthday, but I'm actually going to change um, my Facebook picture to Joey going. Why God? Why? <laughs> That'll be good. Oh man! Well, welcome back, everyone. Uh, yes, welcome. Do you have something to update us on, Crystal? I do, because I was um, posting the photos for the Dale Bollinger episode on Instagram. Yeah. Uh And I think that I just completely missed this in my research because I was so focused on trying to find court transcripts. Um, So I, I came upon some information about one of Dale Bollinger's victims, Okay. Um, I guess I'm not going to share her name, but I guess she worked at a local Chinese restaurant and she was really familiar with Dale. Like he would come in all the time. She said that they had that, that customer rapport that you get when you go to a restaurant often enough, you kind of meet the regular staff and the staff know their regular customers. Yeah. And I guess during the course of the FBI investigation into Gil Valle, where they were kind of digging into the conversations between him and Dale Bollinger, Dale actually specifically referenced this woman by name that he wanted to eat her. And so when that actually came out as public knowledge and this woman found out that, man, this, this creepy old man um, wanted to like I, either literally legitimately wanted to eat her. So he yeah. was coming to the restaurant for a meal. He just never got the one he wanted. Um, you know what I, you know what I just thought of how creepy would it be if like Dale 
wasn't a nurse but owned a sandwich shop and like would name sandwiches after the people he knew and everyone would be like oh cool he named a oh that's get the linda sandwich that's named after me and then like like, later when all of this came out they're like oh that i don't i don't want the linda yeah (laughs) like what what did I do that he named a sandwich after? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, so, well, that's interesting. God, yeah. wouldn't that be... That would be weird if you, like, had an acquaintance that you were like, oh, this is a nice guy, and then later you find that out? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I wanted to read a couple quotes from her. This is after she found out. She said, uh, quote, he appeared just like a normal customer, but I feel like he wanted to chat to someone. Like, he was lonely. Yeah. I just chatted to him. We shared a joke. <laughs> and then um, she, she described him as a, quote, really lovely man. And she also said, I feel horrified now. You try to talk to a nice person. It's really upsetting. It's not right that this all happened behind my back. Yeah, I don't blame her. I'd feel the same way. Yeah, so... Um, I kept the details in those two cases light because they really did get very gruesome. Mm -hmm. But I can read one of the messages that he wrote and then we can move on. Do it. But this is a message that Dale sent to Gil, I believe. Okay. Yes. Um, He said her name is Elle. Very cute Chinese accent. Will do. Get a pic of her this weekend if she meets me for coffee sometime this weekend. I've got so many plans for her. Once she comes to my house, I'll just snap her neck. It's worked before. That's horrifying. Yeah. And what I mean, one of the things he would do is when he went into the restaurant, he'd get a cup of tea and just sit and chat with her. So that's. You know what I would be thinking? I would be thinking, man. The whole time he was talking to me, he was probably imagining different ways to either kill me and then different ways to prepare. Yeah. Ugh, gross. Yeah. So I just wanted to share that because that's a detail that didn't make it into the episode. And I kind of thought it was interesting to hear from one of the victims that he was actually talking about. Yeah. Like, not the... 14 year old girl that he was trying to groom because that was an FBI agent. Um, yeah. But like someone he legitimately was talking about to someone else in this chat website that's like, yeah, I have plans for this real girl in my real life. Ugh, gross. Yeah. So. Well, I'm going to change the subject now to a more lighthearted and less disturbing. <laughs> Actually, no. It's you can't probably... even say that with a stupid <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I wish I had a more lighthearted, less disturbing case, but this one's pretty dark, too. And I think probably most of the listeners may have this because this was big in the news when it broke, um, when it was on the news, like 10 years ago now, I believe, Mm -hmm. or less. I don't know. Uh, But this is going to have to be in two parts because this is I mean, it's not very long, but. There's a lot of information here, and I did want to include more backstory than I usually do, just so you understand, you know, what's going on here and what's going on um, with this uh, this family. So I'm going to tell you the case of Joseph Fritzel. 
So this is part one. You've heard of this, right? I have. I don't think I know much about it. The name is really familiar. Uh But, you know, most of this is going to be new for me. So Good. Well, you're about to find out. Okay. Let's dive in. So, in, on August 29th in 1984, an Austrian couple, uh, Joseph and his wife, Rosemary Fritzel, they called their local police to report that one of their seven children had gone missing. Elizabeth was actually their 18-year-old daughter, and the reason why this was so alarming was because Elizabeth had been making plans and packing and doing all the preparations Uh, in order to move to a nearby town with her older sister. Elizabeth was like in the middle there in the children count. So she was like the middle child. And she was going to move to a nearby town with her older sister. She had started a new job or she was offered a new job. And she was pretty excited about the prospect of all of this, moving out of the house, going to live with her older sister, starting, breaking away from this life, starting a new life. So after not hearing or seeing from her like they were supposed to, the last time mom, her mom, Rosemary, saw her was actually two days prior to when they called the police. Um, They got really worried. Mom and older sister were especially worried uh, because, again, she had all these plans. Like, it's not like she... She had something to look forward to, essentially, right? She wouldn't go missing at a time like this. And she was preparing, like, so let me just make sure I have this right. She she was leaving the house to go to her sister, like she was moving, or did she just disappear randomly? Yeah, she was just in the process of getting stuff ready. And I think the last time mom saw her, she was at home just, like, getting the stuff ready, right? And then I think... Uh, no one exactly knows what happened at that during that time, but maybe she like left to go run an errand. But either way, the last time someone actually like laid eyes on her, she was in the family home two days prior to that. Okay, like so she nothing, was not supposed to be gone yet. No, not yet, not yet. She was preparing for the big move, right? Okay. So obviously, and like I mentioned, this is Austria, so police everywhere are basically the same when a person over the age of like you know yeah over just, over whatever legal or age disappears they have. Yeah. yeah or disappears the police were weren't very concerned about it they're like maybe she ran away or she's with friends and like she'll turn up in a couple of days um so they weren't too concerned the police really n- didn't do much about it and they just told the parents you know maybe you just want to keep an eye out for her we'll do the same there's really not much we can do she's an adult like you know i like just... that the police just automatically <laughs> go to you know your child is a deviant and they're out fucking shit up and you know they'll be back it's fine and they're just hanging out with friends just keep your eye out leave the light on it'll be okay <laughs> leave plus, the light on yeah plus this is 1984 and leave, leave is, a uh, container of food outside it's like when yeah. your cat goes missing like you put cat. their litter box exactly. out you put a can of tuna out they'll come home put a sleeping bag out there for her a <laughs> box of cereal I'm sure she'll turn up <laughs> let us know so that was August 29th then around mid-September a letter from Elizabeth actually arrives to the house um, and this letter was addressed to her mom and basically all it said was 
hey, mom, I'm okay. I went to go live with a friend. She didn't name the friend. She didn't tell her mom where she was, but it was clear it was Elizabeth. Mom recognized it by the writing, right? And while Rosemary was a little skeptical because, you know, she, she didn't believe she would just change her plans, you know, just like that. Because she was excited to go move with her sister. She was excited for this new job. So mom thought it was a little odd that she would just up and change plans like that. But she has this letter from Elizabeth. It's Elizabeth's writing. You know, she she doesn't know what else to believe, right? Did the words, and you may not have even seen this, did the words sound like Elizabeth though? She, I, I don't know, but I will say that this kind of was enough proof for Rose, for Rosemary. You know, she was just like, all right. Yeah. She was just fine with it. Um, Then she said that her husband actually made a comment in passing shortly after that, that, you know, the police may possibly maybe think she joined a cult because I think Rosemary was questioning, like, why didn't she say where she was? She says she's with a friend. Why didn't she tell me what friend? Why didn't she tell me the location? And so Yosef, I want to call him Yosef because that's how it's spelled, but I look, it's Joseph. Um, so possibly she, she just joined a cult and that's why she didn't tell you specifics of that. So Rosemary just believed this. She's like, all right, that was kind of enough for her. That was enough explanation. I mean, her daughter is, she's an adult. She can mm-hmm. do what she wants to do. And yeah. we have this letter where she's saying, hey, I'm I'm fine. It's in her handwriting. Was it dated? Yeah, I believe it was dated. It was her handwriting. Mom believed it was her. At, th- at that point, I'd be a little sad, but... Yeah. At and least I, you know. And I, exactly. And I think mom felt that way. But the fact that she just left after she had all of these plans set up was, I think that was the only thing that was stuck in the back of Rosemary's mind was like, well, she had all these plans, but now she changed it. But the whole cult story kind of solidified itself. And she believed that because a few years later, Yosef I keep saying Yosef. I don't know why. That is how it's spelled in Europe. But when I looked up the pronunciation, it's Joseph. So if I go back and forth from Yosef and Joseph, forgive me. But a few years after Elizabeth just up and disappeared, Joseph discovered the first of three of Elizabeth's babies at the doorstep of their apartment complex. So three times in the next few years, Joseph would come home and there would be a baby in the basket and he would bring it into Rosemary. All would appear with letters from Elizabeth asking her mom and her dad to take care of her babies because she couldn't, whether it was because she was in a cult or drugs or whatever. That's weird. Yeah, isn't that weird? And Rosemary would be like, okay. And she took care of all three of these babies that showed up on her doorstep. Now, she wouldn't see Elizabeth 
for the next 24 years. Wow. And actually, I just looked it up. It is Yosef. Is it Yosef? Okay. Mm -hmm. When I put it in the pronunciation thing, it said Joseph Fritzel. And, but that's probably the American pronunciation. Yeah, so I looked I'll up, stick with Yosef. I looked up an Austrian pronunciation. It's Yosef okay. Fritzl. Okay, awesome, thanks. Um, so for 24 years, no one would see Elizabeth. Okay? But they she was, heard from her. In 24 years, there's three babies that showed up, and it would be 24 years after the day she disappeared that they would finally see her again. Okay. Little did Rosemary know, Elizabeth was only a few feet below her that whole entire time. I forgot. It's coming back. Okay. And Elizabeth's captor would be none other than her husband, Josef Fritzl, Elizabeth's dad. Man. Yeah. So let's get into this heartwarming story, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine 24 years? So yeah. here we go. Here we go. So before I tell you all the specifics, I really want to get into Yosef Fritzl and his background. Okay. So Yosef was born in April of 1935 in the small village of Amsetten. Gosh, I have the, I have the, it's, I have the, the way to pronounce it and I forgot it. Amstetten. That's how. Amstetten? Amstetten. Yeah, I think. Amstetten. Okay. I'm sure our, uh, our actually, listeners in Europe are probably all the time are like, holy moly. We actually have at least one Austrian listener that's new. <laughs> I can't Amstetten. tell if it's one or more. Please forgive me. <laughs> we really Amstetten. appreciate you guys. I'm yes, so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to look it up right now. <laughs> Anyways, he was born in the small village of Amstetten, Austria, which is 70 miles um, from the capital of Vienna. Josef Sr. and Maria Fritzl were his parents, and he was actually the only child. Now, the marriage was a very, very unhappy marriage, uh, just right off the bat. Um, I think when Maria met Yosef Sr., it was one of those things where they met, she got pregnant, and then they had to get married because it was 1930s Austria. Um, One of actually Yosef's memories that he has of his father that he would say later is when his father took him to see Hitler when he marched through the town. Um, back in like the late 1930s. And Yosef remembers being completely enamored with just Hitler as a leader. And I also think that that's because that's probably what his parents were all for. And, you know, and children model after their parents, right? Mom was actually sent to a concentration camp for three years when she was arrested. Yeah, by the uh, by the Nazi police, and so the father at that point kind of like (laughs) the way it was explained in some of the articles I read. Like it wasn't clear who was taking care of Yosef during that time, but I think he was just passed from family member to other family members, and because. 
like when Yosef was four years old, Yosef Sr. just deserted him and never came back. Never and that came was back after to, his wife was. Arrested. This was while his wife, yeah, was in the concentration camp. So. so what do you know what was she arrested for? She no. wasn't Jewish, was she? I I don't think so. It never said it just said she spent three years in a concentration camp. Interesting. Yeah. So when mom returned, she was now like, Oh, I guess I'm single now, right? And so she became super resentful. The fact that, you know, she had just spent three years in a concentration camp uh -huh. and now she comes back and now she's, a, she's single and she's a single mom. So she became, she was cold before, but now it was even more obvious how cold she was with or became with Yosef. She showed him zero affection. She would often leave him alone for days or weeks. Oh, just man. out doing whatever. Um, she would beat him all the time when oh. she was home. And even when the allies started bombing the city, um, she refused to take shelter. And Yosef would be scared and worried about the bombing. So she would say, if you want to go to a raid shelter, go. And would make him walk alone to a raid shelter oh as God. the bombings are happening. Yeah. Isn't that awful? Yes. So, um, and he was born in 1935. So he was like nine, 10 years old when mm -hmm. he's sitting there walking to the raid shelter alone. Yeah. And, you know, I think at that point, around nine or 10, he was used to being on his own. Because remember, when mom From was arrested, yeah, when mom was arrested and sent to the concentration camp, he was passed around to family members. Dad abandoned him a year after that. Mom comes home two years later, and she just is now mad at the world. So she leaves him at home by himself for days and weeks. Dad acts... I'm sorry. It's like, okay. None of the other family members were just like, you know, come live with us. No, uh-uh. I don't think, um, no, uh-uh. Okay. And you have to remember, this is a time of war, too. I'm it sure is, yeah. other family members or whatever. Everyone's just trying to survive. But yeah. He was dealt a, a shit hand to begin with, basically. Yeah, it's like, I understand that everybody's trying to survive. You're struggling to take care of your own family. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, he just, it's another one of those things where somebody fell through the cracks. Yeah. So dad, Yosef Sr. ended up being killed in action in um, 1944 during the war. Um, and I think all Yosef Jr. got was just a, a memo, like one of those little notes. Hey, your father was killed and that's it. But you have to remember he hadn't even seen him since he was four years old. So it really didn't. Okay. Thanks yeah. for telling me. Exactly. The war eventually subsided. Yosef went about his daily life. And um, when he grew up and was of college age, he ended up going to HTL Technical College. Um, and he actually graduated with a degree in extra electrical engineering. So he had some schooling. He was educated. He was pretty smart as well. 
When he was 21, um, and this was in 1956, he met and married um, Rosemary, who was only 17 when they met. Now, there's not much background info on her, but basically, um, she they both stayed in the hometown where Yosef uh, grew up. And I couldn't even find if Rosemary was also born and raised in that hometown, but I only can assume she was unless he met her, you know, mm -hmm. in college, which I don't think is possible. She was 17. Right. Um, I might be about to ruin your story, but his degree in electrical engineering, mm -hmm. does he use that for bad things? He uses his degree in electrical engineering Yes, <laughs> he does. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess in a way, yes, he does. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure I'll learn more about uh, it yeah. later, but you said that degree and just, yeah. I was like, man, yeah. okay. Well, and you know what's funny? Um, in Europe, they call it a certificate. So I only assume it's a degree because it's a, it's a college unless it's just a certificate, right? Well, if it's a technical college... It could just um, be a certificate. It could just be a certificate yeah. because certificates, um, I mean, my own degree is a really good example. I have yeah. a degree in applied accounting, yeah. but I have a certificate. I'm a certified bookkeeper. I'm a certified accounting assistant. Okay. Okay. Um, and those are certificates I earned while I was earning my degree. Yeah. We'll just say... He was an electrical engineer, he was, and that's he was what a he studied. certified electrical yes. engineer. Which, <laughs> yes. it, I mean, that's one of those jobs that um, it's really more about the apprenticeship and the doing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, uh, I'm either sure way, he got real good at it. But he did. He did. Okay. <laughs> so he marries Rosemary, and between 1957 and 1972, they had. Uh, their seven children. They had three sons, Harold, another Yosef Jr., and Gabriel. And they had four daughters, Ulrich, Rosemarie Jr., Elizabeth, and Doris. So they had quite a large family. Does um, he not understand how Jr. works? Because... He's a junior. He's a junior. So and his son's a junior. <laughs> I guess they don't. But that's not even really matters in the okay. story. Well, I don't think, I don't think it would sorry. matter either way. It, it, there, I, <laughs> the point is he's an asshole. Like, well, the reason this strikes a chord with me yeah. is that in my family, I have a senior, junior, and the third. Oh, so, and even that is very, very confusing. Yeah, that is. When, when people would call and ask for this person constantly, it would be a, are, are you asking for my dad or are you asking for my brother? Or, well, may, or are may, you asking for my grandpa? Maybe they're just asking to talk to somebody. <laughs> So I would hand the phone to whoever was next to me because I hate talking on the phone. So Continue. Yes. 
So it was Rosemary's job just to stay home and raise the children. Now, as you can imagine, well, you probably can't imagine because I I'm just no children, basing, yeah, I'm basing this off seven of just kids, inference. Yeah, it, it's a lot. Um, and their marriage was not very good. It was pretty rocky. Um, Yosef was very controlling and he often enjoyed humiliating Rosemary in public. Um, yeah, he never let her have a say in anything. He never gave her access to money. She had to ask him for money. He would beat her for anything she did wrong. And it just wasn't a happy home, basically, behind closed doors. It doesn't sound like a happy home. No, um, from 1969 to 1971, Yosef um, worked for a construction material firm in Amsterdam, and then he became a salesman for tech equipment throughout Austria. And he was actually pretty good at his job, and he was also pretty personable. Uh, a lot of people liked him, businesses, clients. They all had really good things to say about him. They respected him. They thought he was just like this hard-working family man. And that's not surprising Mm -mm. because people, abusers, are very good at charming people. At presenting themselves well. It's one of those manipulation tactics that they make everyone else believe that they're a good person. So if anyone within the circle of abuse says something, no one will believe them. Exactly. Because they're like, like, really? Yosef? Yosef's a great guy. Yeah. are you sure you're not just upset because he's your dad? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, he's really an asshole. Yosef retired in 1995, but he um, continued to manage and own several properties. He was really good at buying properties and managing them, investing his money into um properties like that he um, and this included like a campsite that had some guest houses with it and later on once the kids were a little bit older uh, Rosemary helped manage these properties uh, with him so when he retired that's how they made income um, is within these properties they also managed an apartment building that the family lived in Um, And they sold or they rented out the other flats around it as well. So the family lived in one and then there was a couple of families that lived in the other flats in the apartment building. And like I said before, Yosef was thought of as a well-to-do, hardworking family man. And since he grew up in that small town, he was very well respected in the community. A lot of people knew him. He had been born there, he raised a family there, and it was only really close family that saw Yosef's real side. Mm -hmm. Um, Later, they would go on to say that he was basically a tyrant behind closed doors. He ruled with an iron fist. He He yelled and beat the children for just the smallest indiscretion. Um, And it unfortunately would be their middle child, Elizabeth, that would carry the brunt of this abuse. Do you know why? Do we get into why? No, no. There's no reason? Well, well, later in part two, um, in a couple of the interviews that that I have read, that interviews that he gave while he's been in prison, he kind of goes into the why, but it's not... It's not any reason that you would be satisfied with. Okay. 
Do you know what I'm talking about? It's not yeah. like there's no deep psychological like, oh, that makes total sense. Nothing like that. No, psycho like I don't like the word psychopaths, but no. like nut jobs and assholes like this, their motives seldom make sense. Mm-hmm. But she I mean, when I say Elizabeth took the brunt of it, she took the brunt of it. Oh, I mean, 24 years. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> it doesn't. Yes. Okay. See, I, I notice when I listen back to our recordings, I am very, I repeat a lot and it's like, no shit, cat. Yeah. She took the brunt of it. He kept her for 24 <laughs> years. Okay. So here we go. So I apologize. So in 1978, Yosef took out some permits and licenses to expand and build out the cellar of that apartment complex that his family was living in. Mm-hmm. And I bet usually, I know why. yeah, usually when you take out permits and stuff like that, you know, people come to inspect it like they should. Yeah. But since Yosef was born and raised there, oh, uh, no. pe- yeah, people were like, it's t- it's Yosef. It's fine. Like, we oh don't have to God. go inspect it. We have other things to do. So, and you know that because he was born and raised there in the wartime and everyone yeah, knew his mother yeah, went off to a camp. Yeah. You know, the whole community probably sees him as some kind of like hometown hero. Yeah. And he, they're like, Yosef can do no wrong. Yosef gets whatever he wants. Uh, yeah. There was an article I read where someone was like, I honestly thought he was building like a fallout shelter or something like that because of the trauma he experienced as a younger child when and his mom would make reasonable yeah, assumption. When his mom would make him walk to a bomb raid shelter by himself when he was like 10 years old. Oh my God. While bombs are dropping over his head. Granted, they're allies with on our side but you know who cares I mean Um, he's 10 years old he doesn't know that yeah exactly but go USA anyways um, so there was no cause for alarm but if only if only someone had checked they would have discovered that this is no fallout shelter honestly if one person had gone to check on that just one just one what they would have found was a labyrinth of chambers there was eight doors down there leading to these separate chambers that he had in this space there was two of those eight doors were electrically operated steel doors that were reinforced with concrete. Okay. Yeah. And he built all of this himself? He built all of this himself. Yeah. He actually spent six years preparing this chamber till it was ready for his victim. Oh, my God. Which would be his own daughter, Elizabeth. How fucked up that you're spending six years knowing that your daughter is going in. Am I? Yeah. Was there? Because she would have turned. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to. I'll tell you. You'll figure it out. I'll tell you. I'm going to tell you about Elizabeth now. I'm going to tell you about poor Elizabeth. So Elizabeth was born on April 6th, 1966, which actually now that I'm looking at it. That is. Her birthday was doomed. Yes, April 6, 1960. I'm glad she wasn't born in June. Could you imagine? Yeah. 
Oh my gosh. Having she to was... be a, a Pisces on top of all of that? Uh, yeah. Man. Holy cow. Or is that a Gemini? That's a Gemini. Oh, is that worse? Yeah, having to be a Gemini on top of 6666. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so in 1997, when she was just 11 years old, that is when the abuse by her father started. And mm-hmm. it began just by him. He would expose himself to her randomly, like when they were alone and this together. Is, I'm sorry for interrupting. Uh-huh. This is additional abuse on top of top the beatings. Of and so this is when it became yes. different. Yes, because okay. from everything I've read, he only physically abused the other children. Mm-hmm. And Elizabeth was the only one he sexually abused as well. Ugh. And again, he had four daughters. She's the middle child. Did she look like his mother? I have no idea. I haven't even looked up pictures of Marie. Honestly, that's the first place my mind goes. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I'll have to take a look at that. That's interesting that you bring that up. Um, So at 11, I already said this, the abuse started. He began exposing himself to her. He would also leave pornographic magazines on her pillow, which is probably just part of the grooming process. Yeah, Um, that's... um I've learned, uh, surprisingly, I've learned a lot about the grooming process from the podcast Small Town Dicks. Yeah. And because one of them was a sex crimes detective for, I think, six years. Mm -hmm. The things like exposing yourself, leaving pornographic images out, uh, testing boundaries with physical touch, with like brushing against them to begin with, and Mm -hmm. like innocent, quote unquote, innocent touches. Mm-hmm. Um, to desensitize is all the beginning steps of grooming. Yeah. And this is exactly what this was by exposing himself, leaving pornographic magazines on her pillow. And then when she turned 12, that's when the sexual abuse escalated into more obscene sexual acts that she would, you know, she would be made to perform on him and he on her. She was 15 when she finished her basic education, um, and then she started working as a waitress. Okay, I was about to ask, what do you mean basic education? Oh, yeah, it was her. Sorry, it was her. Okay. (laughs) No, her basic academic primary school, basic academic education. And then um, she just started working as a waitress. I read in articles later that, you know, I think... Her dad kept telling her that there was nothing more in the world for her except being a waitress. I don't think he really talked her up and gave her any self-confidence, obviously, because I think he was preparing her for what he was about to do for her. But basically kind of like drilled in her head, like once you turn 15, like really there's no point in going to, you know, a higher education, just... You don't have the smarts for it. So I think he was also kind of psychologically um, abusing her as well to kind of chip away at her self-confidence and self-worth to make all of this that's going to happen next easier. So she started working as a waitress. Um, In 1983, she actually was done like with her dad, with that life, and she just ran away and she went to go live with a friend in Vienna. 
Yosef and Rosemary reported this. The police found her. Um, and they returned her to her parents. And when Yosef went and picked her up at the station um, to bring her home, he actually told her that he would never let her run away again, ever. And so, oh. so Elizabeth continued to live at home. She continued to waitress. Then it was in 1984 that she was offered a job in Linz. Linz is actually the third largest city in Austria. Okay. And that was when she, was, she got excited. Her sister lived over there. Uh, and so she was getting ready to move over there to start this new job and to start a new life with her sister. And unfortunately, she would never go. While we were talking here, I don't know if you looked this up, and um, I can't think of any other place that would be appropriate to mention this, mm -hmm. but did you see what the age of consent is in Austria? I did not. What is it? 14. Oh, wow. Is that still the age of consent? Yes. You are kidding me. 14. You're still a baby at 14. Yeah. So I'm wondering if Yosef used the fact that she was over 14 for a majority of this abuse. Because granted, it did start when she was 12 years old. But I wonder if at a certain point he was like, oh, she's over the age of consent. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. So... This nightmare basically starts for Elizabeth as a simple favor. On August 28th, 1984, Yosef asks Elizabeth to help him carry a door down to the basement of their family home. Oh, is that the last one? He asks her to hold it while he secures it to the frame. Oh my God. He tells her to step inside to make sure it could shut. And then that's when he takes an ether-soaked towel to her mouth. Mm -hmm. She falls unconscious. He handcuffs her, closes the door behind him, trapping her in there for the next 24 years. Oh, that is awful. And that's where I'm going to end part one. Oh, man. Yeah. So stay tuned for the details of the 24 years that are just completely bonkers that this girl had to go through. I mean, I don't doubt it. We already know that she had three children. The fact that she was in there for almost a quarter of a century is ridiculous. But mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. That was good, huh? Man. <laughs> Can't wait for part two of this just amazing story. <laughs> wait till you, did you look up pictures of him yet? Um, I think I've seen them before. Doesn't he look like your standard old guy? Uh, yeah, just with like crazy eyebrows that look like they could be people themselves. <laughs> Like, it's like, like if you were to draw, it's like every evil oh person God. in every cartoon that has ever been look at created. Eyebrows. Yeah. I like every time I have to look at this 
douchebag's face. I want to take like some scissors just and snip those. Those professional hikers couldn't make it up. I know those are peaks. That's like, like I want to say this is what like probably the person who drew the very first cartoon villain probably was friends with Josef Fritzl. Oh I mean, God. and his eyes are like his whole face. I just want to punch him in the face. I don't know. There's something. His eyes are like dead. There's like no feeling there. Yeah. It's very. I don't like it. Yeah. Well, wait till you hear what's what's coming up next. Make sure the next time you tune in, you bring a seatbelt because you're going to need to buckle up. <laughs> Because it is insane. And, and we will probably need to do a big fat trigger warning yes, on the next one. A major trigger warning. Yeah. Okay. So we've got a little bit of that to Yeah. So so let that let that soak in okay. and let that marinate. And then I will be back with part two. Oh, geez. Okay. Well, thank you. Uh huh. <laughs> Enjoy. Enjoy. Don't help anyone with a, a door and a basement Honestly. ever, ever. Don't do it. Just don't right. help people. Don't yeah, do it. <laughs> That's my motto. Honestly, don't help people. <laughs> you don't know what they're thinking. They could want to eat you. They you could want to trap you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you need help putting a basement door in? No, thank you. <laughs> That's There's right. contractors that yeah. hire someone. Exactly. Ugh. Anyways. All right. All right. Talk to you later. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Kat and I are so grateful for all of our listeners, and we love hearing from you guys. Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Alternative Interest Podcast, and let us know your thoughts on this week's case. We want to cover the things that you guys want to hear, so please email us your case suggestions at alternativeinterestpodcast at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for listening and sharing us with your friends. Be good to each other, and we'll see you next week. Bye.